Hello, this is Mackenzie McPherson coming to you from Maui, Hawaii on this rainy day on November 28th, I believe it is, 2022. I have decided to name this container Solely Chats because I really desire this space to feel like we are sitting down together having a warm cup of cacao and just sharing our hearts with each other and specifically for the purpose of this container, this platform, I'll be sharing my heart with you, bringing you up to speed on my stories and the experiences that have been the most meaningful to me, that have changed me, transformed me, taught me, inspired me, and initiated me. I was inspired to bring back an audio expression for myself. I've had various podcasts over the years. We had the Delighted by podcast back when I owned and operated Delighted by Hummus, which was a dessert hummus company. I owned and operated that for seven years before closing the doors and walking away from it earlier this year in 2022, which we will have at least one episode dedicated to that entire hero's journey. So we had that podcast, and I also have been a co-host with my beloved Michael, my husband, Michael McPherson, for the Humanity podcast, which was something we did on and off for a few years. And we have been quite nomadic. There have been spots where we've settled down for longer periods of time, Maui being the main space that we've done that at, done that in. But because of our nomadic nature and also our multi-passionate entrepreneurial journey, we've gone in and out of being really consistent with offering things like this. I'm not calling this a podcast. I'm just more so calling this a safe, sacred space for me to share my heart with you and share the depths of my human experience yesterday When we were with the cacao community online, Michael was leading us in Sunday service. He does that every week now. And he was sharing about the hero's journey and how at the end of the hero's journey, you, or towards the end, you come home and share with your loved ones and your community what you learned and everything that you gained on that adventure. And it really reminded me at as to why I'm so interested in creating this space here so that I can share what I have taken away so far. And my intention, my commitment is to do just that, only share my personal experiences. This isn't a space where I'll be preaching or sharing opinion. Of course, that might be weaved throughout based on my experiences, but this isn't just um, a space where I'll be teaching facts or lessons or stories for you to learn from, but that might be a benefit that you do end up learning from them. And I do think we learn the most from stories. When someone shares their story with me, I remember it and I always take something away from it. And that is my hope for this space together. So before we start, and I shared just today an introduction to me and who I am a little bit of an overview about that this will be a short do I want to call it an episode (laughs) 
this will be a, a short session together, a shorter session than the, the majority of the other sessions because I have some big stories that I want to share. And, and some of you have heard some of these stories. And my intention is to do my best to bring out as much rich detail, the details that matter in every story. So whether you've heard it before or not, it can activate something inside of you in a bigger way. And also, what I've taken away from each of my experiences over the last many years, they have shifted and changed as I've evolved as a human, as a woman. So even what I've shared in my book, I wrote a book called How to Lead a Badass Business from Your Heart. And I wrote that in between 2017 and 2019, I, re- I wrote that. I edited it in 2020 and published it in 2020. And by the time it had come out, so much had changed. And there were even many things in that book that I wish I would have written differently or shared differently just based on who I was today. I've gotten over that now. And I know that people do find value from it still. And yet I might be sharing some of those stories that were in my book from this new place. Okay, so before we, before I introduce myself more in detail, let's drop in. I have made a cup of cacao. And if you have cacao on hand and you want to press pause and go make some, this will be a really juicy space for you to just relax and receive, come into your heart. Tune into yourself and even see yourself and see your own journey inside of my journey. So just taking a few moments together, just imagining that we are here together on my porch here in Maui with cacao, holding it up to our hearts. And there are beautiful flowers everywhere. There's so much beauty, lushness, abundance of nature surrounding us. And on this day, we can hear the trickle of the rain, sensing the the dew on our skin, that moist air. Just enjoying this quiet moment together where we get to pause let go of any worries, tensions, stresses, and just come into the present moment. And taking a few deep breaths together. When you inhale, you can smell the cacao, letting her aroma just bless your field, bless your senses, bless yourselves. I just give so much gratitude to Cacao specifically for giving me the courage and the creativity and the openness to be here in this moment, in this space, pressing record. And I thank Pachamama, Mother Earth, Gaia for blessing my life and all of our lives with so much beauty softness and grace thank you mama maui and to these sacred lands that we stand on 
to the ancestors and the native wisdom that's rooted in this land, this Hawaiian culture, the Hawaiian wisdom, the lineage that reminds us to breathe, to go slow, and to appreciate the simplicity of life. Just sending that Hawaiian energy your way, whether you've been here or haven't. May you just feel that beautiful, motherly, nurturing energy from Mama Hawaii. May it bless your cells and your body and your heart today. Just giving thanks to Creator, the divine mystery of life, to all of the elements, and to the sacred sun that blesses us every day. Just coming into reverence for, for our lives. What are you grateful for today? Coming into a state of appreciation and praise. Continuing to breathe deeply. And letting that soften your body even more. And lastly, what is your intention for this space with yourself right now? As you put in your earbuds, maybe have some cacao or just some water to hydrate yourself. What is your intention? Taking this moment as an opportunity to set your intention for your day. Maybe you're on a walk. Maybe you're in stillness. What's going to serve you right now as you receive this space? And I just say a prayer that we are protected and surrounded by love and that I just speak through my soul in the many sessions that will be birthing and expressing over the next many weeks, starting today, for me to just open my channel to my soul's highest essence and highest expression, to have the most beneficial positive impact on anyone that listens to this space and to that tunes in. Just calling on that courage, that willingness to be fully expressed. To not hold back at all. And to be reminded by, by love that I am so safe to share fully, unadulterated. taking a sip of my cacao. So one thing I'll mention here is that I wanted to do this in a way that I would not be restricted 
at all to be able to have these sessions. And what I mean by that is because we are nomadic and tend to be moving around a lot, which that should be an entire episode in itself, (laughs) uh, I wanted to make this just so accessible for me to be able to drop in and record. So I'm literally using voice notes on my phone without a microphone, without headphones, just my phone sitting on the desk and me speaking. (laughs) So that might come with some interesting sound quality at times, some roosters in the background, birds, rain, interruptions potentially, but I'm just creating this crystal clear space of softness and stillness and quietude for me to be able to share without interruption. So thank you for your patience, no matter what happens. And I just know that this is going to help me be able to commit to sharing all of the stories that are on my heart to share without having that excuse of not having my gear, not having our equipment, not having Wi-Fi, which quite literally I don't have Wi-Fi right now. Here on the North Shore of Maui, there was a fire, a small fire that put all the Wi-Fi lines out here where we live, and we do not have cell service either. So I'm able to record on my phone without Wi-Fi, which is so great. It's so convenient. (laughs) So I'm Mackenzie. My maiden name is Mackenzie Marsluff. And I am now officially Mackenzie McPherson. I married my beloved twin flame soulmate, Michael, on Kauai on February 22nd of this year, 2022. And we've really, though, been married since the day we got together. (laughs) I think it was in the first week or two weeks that we actually wrote vows to each other, committing to this path of sacred union. It's a huge part of my life. It is the centerpiece of my life and the foundation of everything that I create and everything that I do from there. It's all from the union. I'm sure there will be many episodes on that too. It just feels important to share here when I'm sharing who I am and what I'm all about. That is the first thing that came to mind. And it comes to heart. I don't get super attached to... Well, actually, let me share a little bit about my background. So I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Pretty small town. And I'll be sharing in depth when it comes to my relationship with my mother, my father, and my family. But the brief overview right now is that grew up in earth was born in Dayton, Ohio. First child, first born. My parents were very young. They actually got pregnant when they were I think sophomores in college at Ohio State University. And my mother, I believe, or both of them, who knows, decided to have me. And they ended up getting married after I was born. I guess I was at the wedding as a baby. And then by the time I was four, they got a divorce and my father left. And I remember that day so vividly. It was 
so life-altering and has really set the tone for so much that has unfolded in my life, especially as it pertains to my relationships, my relationship to the masculine. And then I was raised by a single mother. My, my baby sister was born right around that time um, when I was four, so we're four years apart, my sister and I. She's my only full sister or full sibling. And my mother raised us as a single mom. And when I was, my, my father was in and out of my life. And then I believe when I was around 10, but I don't remember the exact age, my mother got remarried to a man that became my stepdad. And he actually ended up adopting us um, on paper. And our last name changed. My, my father's last name is Marsluff. And my last name had changed then to Wygand. And we, you know, looked like a happy family on the outside, um, in a way. My mother started going to church around that time and became a born-again Christian. And... We'd always kind of gone to church on and off to a Lutheran church, and I was baptized Catholic. But when I was around eight, maybe, or so, she started going to a born-again, or to a, to a seeker-friendly, non-denominational Christian church and became a born-again. I eventually followed in her footsteps and became a born-again Christian as well, got baptized. I don't remember how old I was, maybe 11. And in school, I had two things um, that I were, was interested in extracurricular-wise. I played violin. Um, I played violin for a long time, actually, all the way through college. And I was also a cheerleader, two things that really did not go well together. <laughs> but I cheered all the way through high school, starting in third grade. And I was a good little girl, yes ma'am, yes sir, kind of always wanted to please, wanted to have harmony in the house, and didn't want to rock the boat, didn't speak up, didn't really have a voice at all. And when I, when my mother became a born-again Christian, things became a lot more strict and conventional inside of our home. Um, I could do less, watch less movies, couldn't do really sleepovers, go to dances, school dances. Um, I, this is more in like middle school, early high school, couldn't date or talk to boys, um, couldn't go to the movie theater. And it was even just times where I wanted to go snow, uh, skiing with my church group. A lot of times it was a no. And what I would do is I would a lot of times, like if I wanted to talk to a boy or have relations with a boy in any way, even just a crush or something, I would do it in secret and I wouldn't share. So I also share my human design here because this is important to, I think as a manifester in human design, this is very like, um, this, is, this is quite normal. For a manifester that isn't given freedom to choose and to do what they want to do, if they aren't allowed to do something, they typically will still do it and lie. So I, um, I wasn't a very rebellious kid. I 
never got into like drugs or I didn't even drink until later in my freshman year of college. And I wasn't into like really rebelling necessarily. I was more so just really wanting to explore relationships with boys. And I wasn't, my, my sexuality was so repressed that it wasn't that anymore because it was so repressed. It was that, but I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't wanting to have sex or even be really physical with a boy. It was more so just wanting to um, be friends and close friends and have that like young puppy love from grade school onward. And those were things that I just could sense based on what my mom would say was not acceptable and not allowed. And so I would just hide it or do it behind their back. And in high school, they ended up, I ended up getting in huge trouble because I'd been talking to my boyfriend. Um, I don't know if I called him my boyfriend at the time, but he was like my high school boyfriend at the time. And I, which basically means like I would only see him in the hallway on the way to my next class because I wasn't allowed to go out or do anything. But they found instant message, um, like, yeah, AOL instant messages that I had sent from the family computer and they had had spyware on it or something like this. And they had found the messages that were very innocent, right? But clearly romantic or, you know, having this romantic engagement, nothing sexual or anything like that. It was just very innocent exploration of connection. And they found it, and it was, like, one of the most terrifying days of my life Um, because I got sat down and basically told that I'm a liar and I have problems and I'm in huge trouble and there were consequences getting grounded and, you know, threatening my extracurriculars getting taken away, which were literally my only source of freedom to be able to go to cheerleading practice, go to the games on the weekends and practice violin after school. These were literally my only places of freedom. And the only times where I had like some, some autonomy over my life experience. So it was a really scary moment and it only reinforced that like I am not safe to explore myself and my desires and my desires don't matter. My, my interests don't matter. You know, all the stories that got created from there and how that really continued to distort my relationship to my sexuality and my relationship to the masculine And also my relationship to authority. (laughs) All around it was crazy. So that my mom, my stepdad, they sat me down. I don't remember the exact conversation, but it was very scary. And I was shamed, like so shamed for having this innocent, these innocent conversations on AIM. And yeah, that was, I'm sharing that story because it just is a big, um, it was very instrumental in my development and a part of which has led into kind of a part of my purpose and my dharma here now in the present moment. I will come back to my human design here in a minute because I'd love to share a little bit more about that. And yeah, I went off to college, um, 
to University of Arizona. My stepdad had gotten a job offer in Phoenix, so I decided to look at U of A in Tucson and I fell in love. At the time, I thought I wanted to be a medical student and really that was just my indoctrination and doing what I thought would be pleasing the most to my family. One thing I didn't mention is that I had my grandparents um, with me every day of my upbringing. My grandparents were so present in my life and incredible. And while there were so many downfalls of my upbringing, there were so many beautiful things as well. And I'll share more about that in future episodes. In college, when uh, my freshman year started, my parents, I say parents, I mean my, my mother and my stepdad because I was not in contact with my biological father. My biological father and us had this on and off, in and out kind of thing going until I was in high school or uh, until I was in middle school, actually. And then there was something happened and my mom got a restraining order and we were just my stepdad had full custody along with my mom and my I no longer saw my biological father from I think 10 years onward which was devastating and extremely traumatic um but then and and that was really because of his addiction that's the one thing I forgot to share um he was addicted to crack and really struggled with addiction, um, not just to crack cocaine, but to alcohol and sex. And was in and out of rehab, sometimes in jail, on and off paying child support, a lot of times not. And um, I'll have an entire episode dedicated to him and my relationship with him and how that's unfolded over the years. So when coming back to the story I was sharing about my upbringing, my background, when I went to college at University of Arizona my freshman year, my mom and my stepdad were, you know, always checking in on me. I was the first firstborn, I was the oldest, so they'd never had this experience before. So going from a pretty controlling environment to now I don't live in the house was probably pretty uncomfortable for them. They wanted to make sure I was like in Bible study every week and hanging out with the right crowd, not drinking, not dating, and focusing on school. So I attempted to do that for a little bit. And then by the end, oh, but meanwhile, I was dating a guy long distance, a guy back like my high, one of my high school, basically it was my later high school boyfriend I was dating and talking to long distance. He was still in Ohio at college there. And... My parents did not know. Before I had gone to college, the summer before I had gone to college, he had sent me some flowers. And so I got in big trouble then um, because they were like, why is this happening? You know, but then when I went off to my first year of college, I don't know if they knew I was still talking to him. And... I got a job without my parents knowing because I wanted to be able to make my own money and spend my own money and do my own things without them controlling everything from my bank account. I was on a 
pretty much a full ride scholarship. Like all my tuition was paid for because of my grades in high school. That comes back down to like the yes ma'am, yes sir thing. Good little girl, straight A student, 4.0, wanting to get into the best colleges. Striving from an education standpoint was like everything that was glorified in my family, especially my grandparents. And with my grandparents as loving and present and amazing as they are, their main concern typically was like where someone went to college and how many degrees they had. So that was really ingrained in my subconscious or in, in my psyche. So I go in as a pre-med student trying to be still the good little girl, going to Bible study, going to my classes, <clears throat> and honestly struggling. Struggling to fit in, struggling to find friends, struggling to feel like I belong, struggling with school, like for the first time ever, being like, this doesn't feel good. Because like I had no one there telling me, you better do your homework tonight, and you, what, what grade are you going to get? Um, so I really started struggling and feeling lonely. And so I told my mom that I wanted to join a sorority because I was seeing the girls that were in sororities, they were seemingly having friends, but I was not allowed to be in a sorority. So then I tried to join the orchestra and the band, but I didn't make any friends there. And that's when I got a job and was still talking to my friends back in Ohio a lot, like all the girls, um, a few, a few of the girls that I had been in cheerleading with, I was still really close to them and then close to my boyfriend. So I paid my way to fly back one weekend. I think it was for my boyfriend's birthday or something. And we all drank together for my first time And we took photos of that night and had a lot of fun. And I'd also, between my boyfriend and I, he would come fly out to see me um, sometimes over weekends, which my parents also did not know about. And he was into drinking. So that's really where I started drinking more. So this is the last two weeks of my freshman year. I start drinking. We take photos. And I go back to Phoenix for the summer to see my, to be with my family, which at the time was my mother, my stepdad, my sister, Bailey, and my brother. And my brother is technically a half brother because he, and he's 16 years younger than me to my mom and my stepdad. He was born to them um, when I was 16. And I feel very, very close to both of my siblings. I have a strong connection to both of them. And so I always loved going back to be with them, even though my relationship to my mother and my stepdad was seemingly rocky at the time. So I went back and they found the photos in my backpack. And somehow I don't, through spyware or something on my computer, or through the family computer, they found emails between me and my boyfriend. So that was not good. And that's where things got really, really bad. They took away all my things, my phone, my cards, and um, my boyfriend ended up sending me a phone, which only created more issues. And when I say more issues, I mean like the most traumatic experience of my entire life unfolded then. 
and I'm going to park that because that deserves an entire episode in itself. But long story short, I got separated from my family and I went back to college my sophomore year with no contact with my mother, my stepdad, my siblings, my grandparents, my aunts, uncles, and cousins. I was, at this point, completely cut out and isolated and on my own. So when I got back to school my sophomore year, trying to figure it out, changing my major a million times, I'm struggling even more and don't have the support of my parents. I don't have a car. It was just, it was a crazy pivotal moment in my life. And then finally, when the holidays came around and I was laying in bed in my dorm room, all alone, no one's in the dorm because it's the holidays. They're all back with their families. I'm not. I was so lonely and I had this thought, I should get back in touch with the Marsluffs, which is my father's family and my grandmother, my aunts, my aunts that I always loved and adored before they weren't in my life anymore. So I ended up finding my grandmother's phone number on yellowpages.com. I call her my Saws because her name is Sonny. And apparently because my parents had me at such a young age, I don't think my Saws was ready to be a grandma. So she said she can call me Sonny, (laughs) referring to me. And so I tried to call her Sonny when I was little and apparently it came out Sawzy. So Sawzy is now what? All of the grandkids call her, and I call her Saws for short, S-O-Z. So I called my Saws. Mind you, she hasn't heard from me in almost 10 years. I left a voicemail on her her, um, phone, on her landline, and she called me back later that night. She was like, you could tell she was shaking and crying. And she said, I've been praying every day for this. And she also said, I didn't think you'd call this. I didn't think I'd receive this call for at least another 10 years. Whew. It was such a big moment. And then I got reconnected with them, went to Ohio, got to see my dad for the first time, my, my biological father for the first time in 10 years, and my aunts, my cousins. It was really beautiful and a huge, huge blessing. The blessing that came out of the traumatic experience that separated me from all of my um, mother's, mother's family. Ooh, that was big. Okay, let's see. So that's, <laughs> that brings me up to sophomore year in college. Okay, I ended up change, continuing to change my major, getting more and more lost and confused inside of the system of university, was making tons of money at the bar. Tons was relative, right? But for a college student, I was the one that was able to buy any clothes I wanted, um, have the biggest room of the house because I could pay for it, and would buy all my friends' drinks every night that we went out, which was a lot. (laughs) So I was like working a lot, making good money, and trying to go to school, but started failing. Um, And... Then my junior year and senior year, I started making a comeback with those, with certain classes. I started studying nutrition, and I was genuinely interested in that. But the problem with it was 
it was all dietetics, so it was very not healthy. Like everything I was being exposed to, they were just talking about the food pyramid and still giving patients in the hospital Oreos. It was so strange to me and still so focused on medication. Um, so my Aunt Amy, who is Amy Marsliff on my dad's side, who I'd been back in touch with, she actually invited me to participate in um, a, an integrative or a holistic health coaching program um, at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. It was the first year that they were going to be offering an online class, and she had a scholarship to give away. And she chose me to give that scholarship to, which was like the biggest blessing. And while I was intending to finish out my dietetics school schooling that senior year, I actually had gotten so far behind from changing my major so many times. So at University of Arizona, I knew I was going to go four and a half years in order to graduate instead of four. So while I was in my fourth year, I started taking those courses online for the Institute for Integrated Nutrition. And it genuinely began to shift my relationship to food and to my body which will also be an entire episode in itself because that's a big part of my story and my relationship to food, body, dieting, eating disorders, and um, just coming into right relations with all of that. Institute for Integrative Nutrition, IIN, as it's called, really gifted me that wisdom to start integrating into my life and to begin to clean, cleanly eat and to also eat intuitively and to try different um, ways of eating on from Ayurvedic, seasonal, vegan, um, or always organic, just all these different ways of eating. It was great for me. But while I was at University of Arizona, that was just resonating less and less and less. When my friends graduated, I knew I had six, you know, a whole semester left at least, and it was going to be a hard semester because I had so much to cram in. And backstory, at the time, I was dating a guy that lived in Australia. We had a long-distance relationship, and I was totally falling in love with this guy. Um, We had met in Europe the summer beforehand when I had taken, uh, I think, 10 days to go on a European tour over the summer. And I'd met him there, and then he'd come to visit with his friends, And then we started forming a long-distance relationship. So there I am. My friends have all left college. And I am dating this guy in Australia, studying IIN. And at this point in my course with IIN, I'm able to take clients, to start taking clients and build my practice, build my own coaching practice. I had all the tools, and now I had the information. And I was starting to embody it and feel so amazing that I really wanted to share and pass it along. So... I decided to leave college. I put in a notice to the dean or whoever you do that with to like pause my scholarship and say like, I'm going to take a semester break and I'm going to go to Australia. And I put it on hold with the intention of coming back to complete my degree. But essentially I flew to Australia and never came back to university. So actually left college one semester semester before graduating So many people were perplexed and confused and pissed about that decision, and I didn't care. I just went for it. So I ended up living in Australia for two and a half years, 
moving back to Arizona, but to the Phoenix area um, in 2012. I ended up going into a business incubator with the hopes of creating the first juice and organic juice and smoothie drive-through. At the time, juices and smoothies were all the rage in LA, but it hadn't hit the Phoenix market yet, so I wanted to be the first. I ended up raising money, getting all the support, doing the financial projections, designing the drive-through, all of it, and I just could not secure the real estate after working on that for a year and a half, two years. Ended up walking away because it just was not coming to fruition, and then that's where my dark night of the soul kind of began. So I'm going to pause here because that's going to get me into my very next episode where I'm going to share about my journey with ayahuasca, which will start at this moment when my dark night of the soul began, which was in 2014. (sighs) Okay, so that's my background (laughs) all over the place. I, um, like I said, I'm a manifester in human design. Um, I think human design is really cool. I don't know a ton about it, but with any system, I always like to preface that I never become a victim of a system anymore. I used to, but when it comes to astrology, human design, the gene keys, all things that I think are so fascinating and I love, I just don't become a victim of it, meaning I don't put all my power into it. But at the same time, I do think it's really fun and a lot of it really resonates. So in human design, I'm the manifester, which means I'm the one that initiates the ideas and initiates the projects. I get things going, but I need other people to help me continue those projects onward. Um, And my creative expression comes in these huge bursts of energy, and I'll have so much energy to be able to birth something all on my own. And then once I do that, I'll be so tired that I'll need help to keep it going. (laughs) big lessons there. Um, My authority in human design is, um, I think it's called authority, is emotional. So that means that I make decisions after processing my emotions around it for at least 24 hours. So it's important for me to not make any decisions on an emotional high or an emotional low. And then my lines in human design, I'm a three, five, which also applies to my gene keys as it does for everyone. Three, five, what that means. Line three, that's the adventurer and that's the one that's always changing, changing jobs, changing environments, changing relationships, changing, changing, changing. (laughs) And this line threes are all about experiences and learning through those experiences. We, both Michael and I are line three, fives, so threes, we have to live it in order to learn it, which sometimes can be really excruciating. Sometimes it can be really fucking, mm, excuse me, (laughs) blissful, but um, it's an adventure. It's a wild ride to say the least. So line threes, that's me. That's why we live in so many different places over the years. You know, I've lived in, I went from Ohio to uh, Arizona, to Australia, back to Arizona, moved to, then I was nomadic, lived in a van, moved to Los Angeles, met Michael in Scottsdale. He moved to LA with me. Then from LA, we moved to Maui, and then we moved to Montana um, with a shit ton of travel all over the world in between, like throughout those years. Uh, And then 
moved to Montana and then moved back to Maui. And now we also live in Sedona. But again, that's a whole other episode. So that's my line three. That's my point. And we learn through experience. We've had a ton of different experiences together as a couple and also creatively, like all our different projects and podcasts and businesses. It's, it's pretty crazy to go through like our archives on our computer and see how, just how much we've been a part of. But that's just our line three playing out. And then um, the line five, as a five, it's all about leadership, power, and global influence, which so resonates because of um, our, our cacao, you know, our, the organization for cacao, it really is reaching globally and things like this space that I'm doing right now with Soli Chats, this is really a space that's meant to reach globally. You know, these stories are meant to spread across the globe to many different communities. And, Um, that's really how it's played out for us naturally without even trying or forcing or trying to have global reach per se. It just happens. That's the line five. And line fives are all about using your power and influence for good, which I love. Just going to pause here for a moment. Okay, so I shared my human design. Let me see if there's anything else about my human design I want to share. Um, My astrology, I am a Gemini sun, just like Michael, even though he's more of like a Taurus Gemini cusp. But I'm a Gemini and I'm a Libra rising, which means I love harmony and I really go to great extent to establish harmony inside of my environment and sometimes at a fault, to a fault. So that's been huge lessons as well. And I'm a cancer moon, which means I process my emotions by being emotional. I'm very watery. And cancer moon also means that what I really need to feel good about myself is a sense of family, which is something I learned recently. And it's so interesting because family has been my biggest wound not feeling like I belonged, and then having these stories of abandonment and betrayal throughout my life, not having a family or feeling like I had a family where I belong or a family that stands for me I, or that sees me or truly knows me or loves me unconditionally. That's been my biggest wound, and yet that's what I need to feel the most, the greatest about myself, cancer being all about family, domestic, emotions, at least to my knowledge, to date. And so that's this, the big work that's on my heart is to lean into family and creating it with Michael and with our beautiful cat Mo, with our soul family. So our fractal line, this amazing community that's like just blows my mind every single day and blasts my heart wide open. Soul family to me is family. There's no difference for me with blood and soul family. It's just, it's just beautiful connection and a sense of belonging. So I've loved creating soul family. And then also with our future sons and daughters, whether it's plural or not, who knows, but just creating that 
that's going to be a big part, that is a big part of my life and my path here. And what my soul desires and yearns for, to learn, to experience. So that's my astrology. I have no fire in my chart. And what that means, or will, will kind of result in, is that there will be many things uh, that happen in my life that force me to create my own fire. And that has certainly been true. I went through, especially with my Saturn return, and then the couple years after my Saturn return, went through such big experiences that forced me to cultivate my inner fire and to really, truly stand for myself and to speak up for myself. And then also, um, I don't really have much earth. I have very, very, very little earth, just a few percentage points, which is so surprising to people considering earth, like I'm obsessed with the earth. Gaia is like my greatest teacher. And, and yet I don't really have any earth in my profile. And what the astrologer would say about that is I'm not here to worry about earthly things. So earthly things mean like money, <laughs> systems, structures, and making a living. But what's so funny, and this is why I don't become a victim of systems like this, is that I have had incredible success in business and with money. And maybe that's what it is, is that it's not something I'm meant to worry about. And when I do worry about it and I do come into fear and stress, which is a primal ancestral thing we're all working through, that just goes against my natural being and my my natural expression. And I find that... I feel pretty comfortable in the world of business, but now in my own way, how I do business or how I do leadership, how I do service. So I will come back to that as well in a full episode about that, about business and my relationship to it and how it's evolved. And I'm going to sit to see if there's anything else I want to share about me and just an introduction to me. My mission, my mission is to assist in opening the hearts of humanity, affirming rooster, if you can hear that in the background, to open the hearts of humanity, to remind everyone that it's safe to be human and to be in their humanity and to be an example of emotional alchemy. What I mean by that is by giving us full permission to feel our emotions fully in devotion to alchemizing them into something higher, into our highest vision for ourselves, our families, our communities, and our planet. I'm coming up with this right now in terms of my mission. This isn't something I've written down recently, but this is what's on my heart right now. So my mission when I come into contact with anyone is that they feel safe to be their full, authentic selves, which oftentimes means that I have to go first in that. I have to be vulnerable. I have to be authentic. And I have to share what's on my heart and what's going on for me. And as a single definition manifester, sometimes it can be challenging to put my deep, watery, emotional experiences into language. Like when a sister or a girlfriend, that rooster is so crazy right now. 
when a girlfriend calls me and is like, what's going on in your life? What's happened? It's just sometimes so challenging for me to put it all into words. And so this is where I'm going to practice that. It's inside of this space, solely chats, where I'm going to just put it all out there. I think I think sometimes my experiences are so deep and so watery because my chart is all water in some air. Um, I, yeah, it's all water and air. Sometimes it's so big and watery that I'm like, I don't want to take up all this space in sharing this grandiose story because I also know from my mind that it's not significant. It's, it just is. It's just a part of my story. It's just a part of my journey and it's very personal. And so also the reservation I have to sharing it all is, so it's A, sometimes I can't put words to it. B, I hold back because I don't want to take up space. I feel like I'd be talking forever like I just did now. And then C, there's that fear of judgment sometimes, especially in the personal and spiritual development space. If I'm sharing about a big process from a space of wholeness and completion in the moment, but if, if I'm sharing about what was at one point quite watery and big for me, what if, the, the thought that can come in as a human is like, what if they judge me for that or say I'm creating stories that are unnecessary or what if they have they, their own projections? And for me, my deep watery emotional experiences are so sacred to me that I just want to protect them from any projection. And at the same time, me thinking that there would be projection is the story. So I'm setting that aside and I'm just going to do my best to share in the biggest way possible here. So that feels really good. That feels like a beautiful introduction to who I am, And also, I'm just so passionate about this beautiful land, Mama Maui. I'm so in love with Hawaii, and I'm just so grateful that she's blessed our lives with her presence. And also Sedona, where we we live now and will be living um, most of the year, starting in January. I have such a sacred connection to Sedona. Most of my healing work has been done on those lands and I'm forever grateful to just the grounding, the energy. I feel super energized when I'm there. So I just love that. I also love um, my cacao so much, obviously. And that was what I was going to share. Like This is made possible by cacao with a K. Our registered nonprofit, Cacao Ceremonial Drinking Chocolate. We've been working with this beautiful organization um, and with these native strains of cacao for over six years now. And it's been the most beautiful journey, especially creatively, and from a space of leadership that I've ever been on. Like, it just, it's the most blissful, fulfilling, pinch me kind of experience. So if you have an experience ceremonial great cacao, highly recommend. We have distribution pretty much worldwide. We have four websites, one in Canada, one in the USA, one in Australia, which also services New Zealand, and then one in London, which services the UK and Europe. 
We also have a Cacao Hub, which is an online platform completely free for current Cacao customers. If you go to flycacao.com, F-L-Y-K-A-K-A-O.com, you can learn more about that community and sign up to join in the Cacao Hub, we do regular free online ceremonies. Michael does weekly Sunday service, and you can access a beautiful global like-hearted community. And we also host all of our trainings in there and our other offerings and courses. <clears throat> a few other announcements I wanted to make is I am now opening up to some one-on-one -on -one sessions for anyone that desires to drop in with or without cacao and have a true solely chat with me about anything that's coming up for you in your life. You can DM me at cacao drinking chocolate on Instagram or email me at hello at flycacao.com and I'll also put that in the show notes. And then lastly, our next upcoming in-person uh, opportunity is through our Sedona immersions. So we are hosting, I am hosting a sisterhood immersion that's open to three to four women only for the weekend, as well as a couples immersion that Michael and I are offering, which are, which are, is open to two couples only. So the spots for February for the sisterhood immersion and the couples immersion have completely filled up. But we have spots open for March, March of 2023. I'll put it in the show notes and you can also email me with questions and the full description of the Sedona Sisterhood Immersion in early March, as well as the Sedona Couples Immersion in March. We're so excited for those. All right, beloveds, thank you so much for being here and for listening, being a part of this journey. I would absolutely love to hear your questions. What questions do you have for me? What are things you want me to talk about and share? I'm already going to be hopping on probably tomorrow to share my next episode, which is going to be all about my journey with ayahuasca over 100 cups later, which is going to include my story about my dark night of the soul and the healings that I've experienced, some of the healing I've experienced through the medicine, what my relationship is like to it now, an overview of the medicine, what it's good for, you know, what, how you can lean into that space intentionally, how you can integrate it properly. And I would love to hear, um, and I've just got, yes, so many things. I've already listed out all the episodes I'm going to be doing over the next few weeks. But please reach out. I want to do Q&A sessions as well, Q&A episodes. So DM me, email me, message me in the Cacao Hub with your questions and the topics that you would like me to cover. All right. Aloha, sending you so much love and gratitude from my heart. Thank you for just giving me this space to express myself. I, yeah, I feel so blessed to have the opportunity Big love, many blessings, and I will talk to you soon.